And now, on with the show. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to episode 58 of the ABC GCI Coffee Break podcast. My name is Allison Jackson, joined each week by Mike Maloney and Kayla Rodriguez-Santiago. How's everyone doing? What's going on? What's new? What's happening? I feel good. Weather's getting nice um, before the storm. I think there's a storm coming, right, on Thursday? Oh, I did hear that, actually. I mean, the snow the other day really threw me off. I, like, woke up and I was... (laughs) what is this i'm not a snow person if anyone didn't know that so um i like it for like the first two hours that it falls because i think it's really like nice and pretty and then i'm like all right i have to now deal with it as a human adult so i'm i'm over it personally um but that's that's just me um really quick i would like to thank our presenting partner skilled trades partners Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about Skilled Trades Partners and our friends over there, Seth, Mary, and all the rest? Our friends over at Skilled Trades Partners are a place agency for the skilled trades. So if you need carpenters, electricians, laborers, they're the ones to call. So reach out to the folks at Skilled Trades Partners. Uh, we've had a long-running relationship with them, and we appreciate them very much. So thanks to Mary and Seth and the entire team over there. They're all great people. Uh, and you know, as far as the weather here, it we're, we're in New England, right? We're hardy people. Uh, a little bit of snow doesn't, you know, doesn't ruin our day and things just keep on ticking. Whereas in some places that aren't used to this, their whole life shuts down. I lived down south for almost a year and a half and little tiny bit of snow and, uh, you know, traffic is down. backed up you know, miles. Got, no one's got a snow plow on there. They don't salt. I remember my wife went to the store to try to find an ice scraper. They were like ice scraper. And they were like, what the heck is that? I was like, oh, scrape. They're like, we don't sell those here. We don't sell ice scrapers here. Have you seen those? Like people make their own like solutions, um, like in a spray bottle. Yeah, it works. I forget what's in it. It yeah, works. It's like alcohol. It's like alcohol and uh, something else. Alcohol and vinegar or something like that. Yeah. My trick is the automatic car starter. And then I just yes. let it run for 20 minutes, hope yeah. the snow melts off. And then hopefully I can like guilt trip my like boyfriend or neighbor to scrape my car off. So I, that's I usually mean, my method personally. You look at the football game, you know, they're down in Tampa and they're wearing like hats and jackets and scarves and it's like 56 degrees. Oh like, my God. When it's 56 in Boston, we're in shorts yeah. under the beach. Yeah. We got our sunroofs open and we're, and we're chilling. So listen um, guys, I can attest to that. I lived in Florida and it was, you know, your blood gets thin out, you know, down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Start getting cold quick. That's, that's why we're hardy. Party folks, but I, you know, I, I every time I'm out there shoveling with the ice and the snow, like, oh, how do I live here? You know, it's it's New England, and you know, the, the seasons are nice and the weather's good. But uh, we're excited this week to have on the podcast with us a gentleman by the name of Nick Schiffer. He is the host of the Modern Craftsman podcast. He also has a YouTube channel called NS Builders Site Visit. I uh, found him on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, he actually had as a guest on his podcast uh, Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. Uh, I am a huge fan of Mike Rowe. Uh, As we all know. Yeah. <laughs> if you just, don't. <laughs> he just seems, I mean, he just seems like fatherly down to earth guy, right? He's in there on dirty job. He's shoveling pig stuff and, you know, crawling through sewers and just does the dirty job. I think it's great. And he's a huge advocate for the skilled trade. So um, after listening to his uh, interview with Mike Rowe, you know, Nick is uh, also an advocate for you know education, the skill trades. He supports the technology. He believes in the collaboration. So uh, it was great to talk to him. And uh, this week, we're uh, also happy to bring back a top five. And I know Kayla's got a great top five this week. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. Yeah, so my top five this week, and I hope I haven't done this already, is top five bucket list items. So we're going to start with five, go all the way to one being the one that I really, really wanted to be. So five, uh, number five is Switzerland mountain coaster. Uh, So if you ever look up on YouTube, there are these amazing like mountain coasters in the Swiss Alps. Um, And fun fact, my sister-in-law and my cousin, we had gone to Switzerland to do this mountain coaster, but it was May. There was so snow up in the mountains. We couldn't do it. Um, So definitely want to go back and try that in the summertime. Number four is skydiving. I feel like that's a lot of people's bucket list items. Not mine. Another, not, Alice is not, like, I nope, will not I'll, be doing that. I'll watch you from the ground. 
with a mimosa or a martini yes. or something, I will not be jumping. Okay, queen. I love it. No, fun fact, my mom already went skydiving without me. Um, she is the adventure mama. Number three is run the Boston Marathon. Um, yeah, so that's... You run? I used to, yeah. So I haven't run a little bit. We started training again, kind of like just to to work out and get healthy. So we'll see you guys. Hit me up in a couple of years. <laughs> I might be forced to run a 5K in a few months if you want to join. Oh, so. that's awesome. I will totally do it with you. It. Let's right, do cool. it. Love it. Number two is become a private pilot. Um, so that's kind of like my retirement dream. Um, if I could do it before then, that would be great. You know, fly a little Cessna 172 or helicopter. That'd be really cool. And then my number one, because Junior and I both want to do this. For all of you that don't know, Junior, a.k.a. or Eddie, a.k.a. Junior, is my husband. We want to hike at Camino de Santiago, which is a hike. Um, it's like a network of routes. But you start out in like the base of France. The one that we want to do, you start out at the base of France. And you kind of walk all the way west all the way to like the Atlantic Ocean. So you walk all the way down to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Whoa. Yeah, that's like a three-month hike though. So that's kind of like a prep. Gotta gotta prep for that. And I'm sure it's like a family name thing too because Santiago's in the name. So like I'm sure it adds to it in some sort of way. (laughs) Absolutely. Actually, Actually, I haven't even thought about that. So for those of you that don't know, my husband's last name is Santiago. Um, and now we are Rodriguez Santiago. So I love it. That's cool. Wait, so you both <laughs> took the hyphenated? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> That's yeah, so wicked we, cool. I didn't yeah, know that. We decided that we're halves of each other. So we wanted to combine both names instead of, you know, me taking on his name or him taking on mine. Um, so we're just Rodriguez Santiago. Oh, and it Fun fits fact. so well, too. Oh, I love Thank that. you. <laughs> well, that's my top five, you guys. So if anybody wants to join, let me know. <laughs> uh, Rodriguez Santiago won't fit on the back of a sports jersey, but hopefully you don't have a child that plays Major League Baseball or the NHL. It's, it's gonna... Rod San. Rod it's San. Rod San, baby. Right. I think they would actually be just Santiago, but, you know. Great. So. Great top five. Uh, I myself would love to do skydiving. My wife has forbade me. Uh, Mike, my middle let's son, go. My let's middle son it. wants to go too. He wants just to do it once. Um, I think it'd be amazing. I don't know if I could do it by myself. I'd have to, you know, I know you'd start out a few times with somebody else, but I don't know. People think, you know, if it jumps out of a perfectly airplane, it's a little crazy. So. Let's do it's it. It's a right lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's a lot of responsibility to like do it on your own. You have to remember a lot, I'm sure, which is why I'm like, no, I won't do it. I will not. I will not. I won't even put my life, my life into the hands of a professional. I will stay on the ground. The rush, but like the roller coaster rush, like when I drove race cars at high speeds, the rush of uh, everything going by so fast. It's amazing. Well, I'll go on a roller coaster. I love yeah. roller coasters because you're anchored into something. Yeah. <laughs> if I if the whole thing goes down, everyone's going down with me. Great, that's fine. But skydiving, it's just me and that one other guy. Can I tell you guys a quick story about the skydive? Yeah. Yeah. So my mom went skydiving in Puerto Rico. Right. They asked her right away. Uh, which plane you want to take, the blue one or the red one? She's like, oh, I'll take the blue one. It looks newer. She goes, <laughs> has the an red amazing pill. trip. Yeah, she has an amazing trip. Skydives, great, awesome. She comes back home, and she finds out that the guy she tandem dives with, they went on the red plane the next day, and they got into a really big accident, and he was in the hospital. My mom was, like, she was just losing it. She's like, What? My dad was so mad. <laughs> what? And yeah. that, that, everyone listening right now, that is why I will never, ever skydive because you can't trust it. Serendipity. Serendipity. I, mean, I have it tattooed on my finger. Will I, I will never put myself in that position. I mean, I just won't. say a prayer. Say a prayer before you go. You're good. All right, that's the top five. Excellent job. Fantastic job. Let's uh, let's hear from, from Nick. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Nick Schiffer. He is the uh, man behind the NS Builders site visit YouTube channel, as well as his uh, podcast, The Modern Craftsman. Nick, welcome to our podcast. 
Thanks, man. Thanks for having me here. And uh, we were talking briefly before we got started here, but one of the reasons I kind of found you was you had done an amazing interview with Mike Rowe, uh, someone that, you know, I love listening to his podcast, and I think he does a great job. So I'm a Dirty Drops fan, right? And he's just mm-hmm. a huge, uh, you know, a person who loves the trades, proponent of the trades. He loves the trades. He knows, as a matter of fact, and Allison will agree with this, we used to play a short little snippet before our teacher orientation about, I, I, I'm sure we can recite it, right? It's only like a minute and a half long, but it's like... Mike is a huge micro fan. Yeah, so, so like... Uh, we all, it's, it's all it's legit burned in all of our brains. Yeah, we, we I think I've a, heard it like 400 times. We're so worried about getting in the corner office, we forgot how to build the corner office, Yeah, right? So it's, it's, yes. it's true. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got in, because it's a great story, how you got into the construction industry. Sure. Uh, so my name is Nick Schiffer. I own a construction company here in Boston called NS Builders. Uh, we primarily focus on custom residential, high-end residential, building custom homes, um, of course, renovations being here in Boston with all the old buildings. Um, and my team is made up of carpenters, project managers, site supers. Also own a millwork company uh, with a partner of mine called Materia Millwork. So we also handle all of our millwork and cabinetry in-house. Uh, and then thirdly, well, uh, third would be uh, the media company, which is what is creating all of this content for our industry. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the Modern Craftsman podcast. But my I mean, I feel like I always thought my story was pretty typical. And the other day, my wife was explaining um, to one of her friends who I am and when I decided to be a carpenter. And she laughed and she said, he's the only person that I've ever met in, in my entire life that from the day he was born, he knew what he was going to do and never wavered from that. But I I mean, as a kid, I was obsessed with tools. It was, you know, my grandmother used to tell me it was some of the first words I ever spit out of my mouth were were tools. Uh, And she just, my, my parents supported that. They would buy me tools. I remember opening, I remember being a a kid on Christmas day, opening like actual, like opening like (laughs) extension cords. (laughs) And I, I'm I'm pretty sure I still have the the extension cord, my first extension cord, which is hilarious. But and my my brothers and sister would be opening toys like they were. But I was just obsessed with it. Um, and when I was 11 years old, I went to work for my father. Uh, he owns a fence company. At the time, my grandfather owned it, and I got in the shop and I was just exposed to wood fabrication, metal fabrication, uh, and of course putting up fences in you know uh, in the ground. Uh, and I worked for him for 11 years. And during that time, I ended up going to college uh, Well, I went to vocational high school uh, for carpentry and then went to college for construction management, to which I graduated and spent about four and a half years in commercial high rise construction, uh, started out renovating some old buildings. And then we built a new building. But I always had this like itch in the back of my mind um, to to get back into carpentry. So I started doing it on the side and doing all these side jobs and it got to a point where I just couldn't sustain doing both. And I pulled the trigger. I started NS Builders. It was a carpentry company. I thought it was going to be a two to three man company that we were just going to do carpentry and maybe eventually build homes. And fast forward, we're a team of 15. And like I said, that's, you know, we have self-performing carpenters, uh, site supers, uh, project managers, director of operations, and we have a home care division, uh, which is basically post-construction home care. Uh, and our focus is building really, really high quality homes uh, for clients that are, you know, demanding of that, um, you know, with intentionality, creativity uh, and doing it, doing it in a, a collaborative way. And then real quick, talk about the third generation being in, in the industry. Mm. And like so you said, from the minute you were born till forever, you can always remember wanting to be in the construction field. Um but you, like you said, you went to college though, right? So, yeah. you know, mom and dad still pushed you to do the trades. Uh, that's what that's what dad did or no? So uh, my grandfather owned the fence company. So obviously in the trade there, um, it my mom pushed me to go to college. My dad did not. Um, for whatever reason, they had difference of opinion on what I would do. My dad wanted to, me to take over his company. Um, there was a point in time where I thought I'd do that. Uh, but I really I wanted to build homes. And I think my mom at the time thought that, you know, college was important. So pushed me to go to college. And I, I wrote this article actually a couple of years ago about um, that. I wrote college sucks, uh, a case for, a case for the trades. That, that was the right. name of it. And ultimately, I don't regret going to college. I think that, you know, it offered, it offered me, me opportunity. 
but I definitely don't think it prepared me for what I eventually got into, uh, which is residential construction. However, you know, it did allow me the opportunity to go into high rise construction and learn that side of the industry, which has, I think, really set a lot of um, the parameters for me to start my own business and understand, you know, money and con contracts and and structure and organization where residential construction tends to lack that or or have it you know, or not have it at all so um you know i don't think that college was a mistake by any means but i think that you know it's not something that i look back and say man that you know thank god i went i would have never been able to do it without it <laughs> And talk about some of the challenges that we face in the construction industry as far as from what you see on your end being a business yeah. owner. And 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 going back to what you said about my grow, like that this is what we talked about on that in that interview. My, what I see is that we are there's there's an issue with and everyone talks about labor shortage. That's like the biggest concern. And you know, five years ago we were we were trying to create awareness for this labor shortage or create awareness for the trades or like encourage people to get in the trades and make it cool to be in the trades. And we did that. I think we were very successful at that. And, and as silly as it sounds, it's like flannels and work boots. And like that became a trend, like just from an aesthetic standpoint and clothing, but, and then do it yourself became really popular and people wanted to understand skills and, and people really appreciated learning skills so we we successfully got the awareness around the trades and people wanting to make a career out of it but unfortunately we simultaneously removed education for it and you know i, th I think about my vocational school i was talking to one of the teachers uh just a couple of weeks ago we had one of their students on co-op with us and i was i was asking about all the shops that were there when i was there and he's like oh no they got rid of that one. Oh no they combined that one and it like as silly as um, I had asked about auto body and uh, auto mechanic, like, they combine that. I'm like, why would they? That's total. Those are two totally different fields. Like I understand that they center around a vehicle, but they are very different fields and they're very different careers. Um, and so that was that was frustrating. And, and, you know, looking back or looking now to, you know, the way we hire right you know there's a lack of skilled trades you know we have a slight advantage for us where you know we have a, a presence on social media that drives a lot of people that are interested in being the trades to us so we get this opportunity to meet people that are genuinely excited about it uh and what i think that the what what's important about that is these people are coming to us because they see how much we value the trades and how much we value the individual that chooses that career. So they're coming to us saying, Hey, you value what I'm doing and you're going to give me the opportunity to do what I'm doing without being someone that says, do it faster, do it cheaper, you know, just get it done. We'll fix it later type mentality, which a lot of people do. Um, so I think that, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people can learn from, from, for, for the way we're going about it. Um, and then you've, flip to the other side of well lack of skilled trades you know you can solve that two different ways you can solve it by increasing education or you can solve it by replacing the need for these people with technology and a lot of times it's looked at black and white where it's like no don't support the robots building these concrete houses like we got to support the trades it's a craft it's like no that's the romanticism of that it's you know there there is an argument for both and I see so many people work against innovation and technology that they're so focused on making sure that they're still doing it by hand. It's like, I understand the value of that. And I understand that, you know, you don't want that to go away. But the fact of the matter is technology is, is, is adapting way faster than we can. So if we don't support technology and, and play off that, we're going to we're just going to be in trouble and we're just going to have this ro romantic thought that we'll always work with our hands on every every little detail. Interestingly, uh, I'm pointing to the the left of me because Ken, my, my millwork partner, is sitting in the other room. But him and I talked about it early on when we started the cabinet shop where I was like, hey, let's use the CNC to cut all the pieces that we you know, that that are easy to cut on a CNC. That's technology. That's a computer. That's that's pumping it out fast, like and super accurate. 
and he had the romantic approach of cutting all that plywood on a table saw. And if you think about that, like, all right, go back before the table saw. It's like, were you going to, would you cut it with a skill saw or a right. hand saw? Right. And it's like you, and we're so, this industry is so s- slow to adapt where it's like now he's like, no, it totally makes sense. I'm like, I don't want to take, I don't want the robots doing everything for us, but let them do the stuff that's, you know, unsexy. I'm going to, I'll, I'll <laughs> right. right. That's right. It's unsexy. Right. And then true. let us, let us do the handwork, the stuff that matters that we're touching and feeling or what we've done, especially recently is what can we do with the CNC that would be really difficult to do by hand, which would make it really expensive, which would make it not something anyone would ever pay for. It's like if we did that by hand, it would be really expensive because of the man right. hours. But a computer controlled machine can do it in 20 minutes and I pay a hundred buck, hundred eighty dollars an hour to run that machine, whatever it is. It's like, hey, that, you know, that really difficult handwork is now achievable. And now clients will like will want it where it's like now you're you're bringing. So what I'm going with that is you, you're able to reintroduce creativity into a product because you're able to do it in a in a more efficient manner, which means it's more cost prohibitive uh, uh, cost. Um, I just lost that word, but uh, cost appropriate. Correct. That, what are some ways that you, at your company that you stay current? With technology and advancements in the field, like you said, you, you use the CNC machine, but more. But you know, what else do you guys use out in the field every day? I mean, we're oftentimes we're thinking about. I, I think the biggest thing that we're focused on right now is offsite construction, uh, and I say that very much knowing that our current project is all on site. We're b- building everything on site, but there's parts of that project where we're we're sending back to the CNC and having cut because what we can do is we can prep. We have these swooping roofs. And rather than cutting every piece of trim on site and, and, and by hand, we know we can pull off the drawing what radius that is. We'll send it to the shop, cut it, and when it shows up, it fits right in place. Um, but I think offsite construction is really interesting to me because I think that there's, and I take this from commercial, like, you know, in my commercial days, I was fascinated by the fact that my electrician would show up with a, a 24 inch cube box that he would drop in every unit. And when he opened it up, it was the complete quote unquote wiring harness for the unit, meaning every piece of Romex was pre-cut, pre-terminated. And all they had to do is pull it to the location, plug in the, the, the receptacle, screw that box to the wall and they were done. And that was so interesting to me. And I'm like, why we could be doing that in residential. The problem with the, the problem that we typically face in traditional residential is that no one's paying for the coordination up front. Instead, they're saying, hey, I have an eight page drawing set. This is the house I want. And then there's twenty four hundred questions throughout the entire process. And then when they get to the end, they're like, why did that take so long? It's like because we were designing it while we were building it, where it's like if we had everything figured out, not only would on site construction be more efficient, but we would be able to take advantage of off site construction. We could be penalizing the home in a factory while also placing the foundation or prefabricating the foundation with precast paint. Like there's so much that you can outsource and then bring it to site and then assemble it like uh, a puzzle. Right. And then do you think some of that technology is a, is a draw for some of the next generation, right? So many of the next oh, generation, 100%. right? Yeah. So you think about like children playing with Minecraft or Legos, right? So they go on, they can go into Minecraft. They can build this very elaborate. My son does it. Builds a very elaborate, crazy houses, right? And when you yeah. say you could take that same idea and build a house, and they're like, really, I can do that? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do that. I, I wish I had Minecraft as a kid because as a kid, I wanted to be an architect, right? That's what I wanted to do yeah. uh, from when I was a little boy. You know? So um, do you ever talk about that when you go visit schools? Do you ever talk about te- the technology? So it's not just about swinging a hammer and mm-hmm. having a tool belt on your hip and climbing ladders. There's more to it. Do you ever talk about that? We do. I think because a lot of people ask, like, what else what else can I do rather than just swinging a hammer? And we talk about all the different aspects of it. Going back to what I said earlier, it's like using technology and like taking carpenters out of the field. Like the, the argument about panelization I've heard is like, well, now you're just getting rid of carpenters. It's like, no, you're moving the carpenters from field into a, a, a shop. Right. And, and 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 then relying on one of the things I love about I, I toured a, a fabrication plant. One of the things I loved about it is that it when um, when it created a cut list for the for the saw to cut, by the time it was done cutting all of the framing lumber for the entire home, it was a 55 gallon bucket of 
of cutoffs and they were all like about an inch long. You look at a job site, they're just grabbing full sticks and you have dumpster after dumpster after yep. dumpster of, of waste because a human can't do that. A human can't look at a house and be like, all right, I'm going to cut all of the six foot two studs right now right. and put them off to the side. They're like, I don't even know how many six foot two studs are. There are. And I never will. Yeah. Where a computer like you going back to Minecraft. I've never played it. I'm not familiar with it. Yep. I, I know what it is, but that that's the side that this even the, like the generation, you know, below me and or two below me, like that's where they're going to they're going to nestle in and realize that, whoa, you guys are building homes super archaic. Like th there's an yep. opportunity here to do all of this behind a computer and then spit it out to a machine. And and yeah, they might not be a single human on that that assembly line and then they can build a, a high quality product and that and that's and that has to be okay i mean and the kids say they're, they're playing video games virtual reality augmented reality right they can do all this crazy stuff with a video game mm -hmm. and that you're seeing that now some of our abc members are taking the same technology and using that in the commercial space right so you're talking about they can what? someone can put a headset on and walk through a whole entire building you could see lobbies and floors and i and think that the augmented reality is a game changer I yeah. think that, uh, you know, where and I've seen it on the commercial stuff. I I want to say maybe uh, Suffolk uh, was implementing it. I know they've done some something similar, but I've seen guys with iPads and they have the augmented reality uh, of um, a rebar layout and they go out to the job site and they locate themselves and they walk around and they look down and they have basically the rebar layout highlighted in red and they're able to put it above where that rebar is supposed to be. Right. And they can immediately within, I mean, a millisecond say, hey, you're missing a number eight right here because because it's all it's it's being generated through a computer. And now that takes time, right? Like to build that model to then, you know, obviously have that software to be trained in that software. And this is why residential lacks is that the training the training is far better in, you know, commercial, especially big commercial, because, you know, the the every person is dedicated to it a role where residential you typically wear many hats right so it's like i don't have the time to go learn augmented reality i got concrete showing up tomorrow <laughs> at 2 p.m and then and then the next day at six like it just over and over and it, you, you're always you're, you're always chasing the fire in, in residential but i think it, augmented reality is, is that that's huge i think virtual reality in and in, in vision especially from a visualization standpoint like being able to walk someone through a home Mm -hmm. Like, hey, this is your home. You want to walk it? I yeah, think you, that, you, like, you want to swap things around. Let me push yeah. a few clicks, a few boops, and some soups, and then you're right. you're moving a wall, and you can you can show stainless steel appliances. Right. You can see. Oh, we want, we want to move a window, a bay window, a desk. Yeah, it's crazy what you can do. Kayla, did you have a question? My question was more in regard to like on the same line as technolo like technological advances, but I was on your Instagram, uh, Nick, and the stuff on there is very um aesthetically pleasing and i noticed on your website that you're talking about brand awareness right so you have this brand awareness mm. campaign so i just wanted to know a little bit more about that and how you're utilizing that right to kind of gain a, a larger audience in the construction world um, a few of the folks that i have on my instagram also follow you so it's kind of like a cool little connection there i would hope so yeah <laughs> um no brand awareness was always important to me when i started my company when i was just it was just me um i started working with my brand team um shout out to slash down in baton rouge um they and they've been with me ever since and they are it you know such an important role in my in this family in the ns builders modern craftsmen material millwork motif media like they're 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 part of everything and the reason was is that i i wanted to set a standard of what we were going to do what ns builders was going to do and get it to a point where someone would say hey i want this level of home and you know a, a reference like a comparison would be kleenex tissues right when people say hey i need a kleenex it's like yeah. no you, you need a tissue kleenex is the brand name and yeah. it's and I remember people being like, that's that's silly. You're just building homes. You don't need to have a brand behind it. It's like, no, the whole point of this is for us to build awareness of who we are. And especially recently, Kayla, like we have really made an effort to make sure that we've formalized our core values as a company. 
and our core values now, like that's not only just for the, for the company internally, but that's for our clientele to understand who we are. That's for our content team to understand what the video needs to portray. And, and all of those things are, are centered around the brand. And that brand needs to be yeah, like aesthetically pleasing is super important. I actually still run the Instagram. <laughs> hey. And so I'm doing like, I'm doing all the posting and I spend, I, I'm not, I, I was going to say, I'm not that picky. I'm very picky. Um, <laughs> you have and, to be. Yeah. And, and it's like when, you know, and I meet with the brand, I, I meet with my content team once a week and nice. we're constantly talking about like revising some of the videos and it's, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that side of the business is super interesting to me. And for me, like I love understanding how it works and how you get people's attention. And if I can have everyone's attention in the room, I have more of a shot to be able to find the client that, you know, I want to work with rather mm -hmm. than, you know, rather than trying to sell to someone that's never going to buy from me because they don't value who we are or the product that we put out. And if you think about people nowadays, right, when if I was going to hire someone, the first thing you do is you look online, Google. You, you, yeah. you Google them or you, you see their Instagram or I can go through and say, oh, geez, I don't, I don't like that work. I'm going someplace else. But it definitely gives you another way to uh, attract new customers, you know, show people what you can do, because that's what people do. They look on Yelp, they go on Yelp, or they look for reviews, they want to see social media, you're on, whether it be, you know, through an Instagram reel or a post, or that's how you stay connected to everybody, right? What What are some other, what, do you, what are some other ways, because I know the podcast is important and social media, but what are some other ways you see construction evolving over the next five or 10 years? Ooh. Um, so I think offsite construction is definitely going to be a big disruptor in the industry. It already is. And I think it's just going to continue to to gain traction. I think that um, people are going to start being I, I think people will continue to be more collaborative over competitive. Um, we're trying to break that mold. I, you know, I meet with builders that are local to me. And we get lunch and he's like, hey, I'm looking at the, the, this job at this address. I'm like, oh, I'm looking at it, too. And I'm like, do you need it? Do I need it? Like, should we go bulk price it? Like, do we want to like friendly bid against each other or do like and and be more collaborative about it? And not just because it's like we don't want the client to, you know, not know that we're colluding in the background. But the point of that is now they now the client gets a fair assessment where it's like I, I've called him and, you know, and, and said, hey, you know, this is where my number's at. And he's been like, hey, I'm like, I'm 20 percent higher than that. And he might say, did you see the, the hardscape in the backyard? I'm like, oh, I didn't. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you got to go check that out. That was like 200 grand worth of hardscape. And I'm like, thank you. And now the client's getting a fair, a fair assessment on it. Now, I think that that's unique, right? Like, I'm not sure what your listener base is, but I've said this on our podcast and, and people will respond like, no one does that in my area. Sure. But the point of why we're saying it and why I'm saying it right now is like we need to continue to move in that direction. We need to be collaborative. And I think that furthermore, with residential and with the clients becoming more and more discerning and 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 homes becoming more and more expensive and people are a little bit more sensitive to what they're spending, that I think there's going to be a shift in a few areas. Number one, I think homes will will condense again. I think we're not going to be building these monsters just for for no reason. I think that you know, people will start valuing a better, smaller house than a bigger, poorly designed home. Um, and I think that, um, you know, with that and with uh, the more collaborative approach, I think that all these owner operators are going to realize that to, to run a successful construction company is going to take more technology and more training that instead of everyone being an owner operator, there's an opportunity where, you know, they they start combining and, and creating like these, you know, um, small, you know, corporations where it's like, you know, hiring owner operators is amazing for me. Like I, I've always liked working with owner operators because they understand that side of it. Uh, and oftentimes the owner operators, in, especially in this industry, get into it just because they want the freedom or they want they think that they're going to make more money. And the reality is it's like. There, there, it's an enormous headache to, to run a business. And if you're not, if you're a craftsman, you know, running a business isn't what you're going to be good at. And, and going back, it's, you know, you can be more collaborative where 
It's like, hey, this guy's really good at running a business, but his craftsmanship lacks. This guy's right. really good at craftsmanship, but kind of sucks at running his business. They join forces. Now you have the visionary and the integrator, and they're off and running. It, uh, our last guest uh, talked about that too. You know, he was an owner, an owner operator of his own company, and a friend has his own company. And this would rather be a hundred percent owner of a million dollar company or a fifty percent owner of a ten million dollar company. Right. Right. So that's like you said, and you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, maybe your company X is good at cabinet making, and company yeah. Y is better at you know building elaborate roofs. And then you, right. we work together to to, to do something like that. Um, as far as some of the building practices, what are some ways that you've incorporated sustainable you know building practices or materials in what you do every day? I, I, I'm I'm really interested in um, this whole passive you know home passive house movement. Um, you know, I think that that's another thing that's going to really start evolving as we know, like we've been, that's been a carrot dangling in front of the code for years now. Um, and you know, we, I went through the training, um, but for us and for, for every project that we're building, we're building kind of with that mentality, you know, we might not get certified or we might not end up hitting, you know, uh, a passive level, um, ACH, um, but we're going to, you know, build with the the mentality that we need to build. Well, we need to to build an airtight envelope. We need to control the climate within the home. We need to work with materials that, you know, aren't knowingly uh, harmful, you know, aren't knowingly bad for the environment or bad for the health of not only the people, uh, you know, doing the install, but also the people that live there eventually. Um, so those are all the things that, you know, we're, we're trying to be more considerate with every decision that we're making. Is it the best decision for the project? And one of the things, um, you know, again, that, that drew me to reach out to you was the fact you had Mike Rowe on the podcast as well. What is, what are some takeaways from the Mike Rowe podcast that you learned? So, um, Mike Rowe is great. And I think that he's such an advocate for the trades. Um, the takeaways were, it was really we shared a lot of the same concerns is that this edu- the education is lacking that we need to support technology that we need to be more collaborative um but ultimately we we need to you know it's it's not blue collar versus white collar and i think that was actually the biggest takeaway is that you know um i followed up like shortly after that 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 uh podcast with mike i was at an event um, and this gentleman owned a suit company and I knew him from years, years ago. Um, and he, we, we were chatting and he kind of started a conversation to the side of me and, uh, someone asked him how business was going. And he said, uh, you know, it's a little slow. Every, everyone that was in the white collar world moved back down to the, the, the blue collar. And my wife is standing across and she saw it, like the look on my face and she goes, what's wrong? I'm like, he just said that the people that were white collar moved down to the blue collar and she's like nick i'm like no that i understand it's 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 silly but that is the 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 unfortunate you know reality of what we how we you know classify white collar versus blue collar and mike rowe said on that podcast is like we don't need people to say we need more welders or we need more you know people in the blue collar world what we need is the support to go in whatever direction makes sense for them. So if someone wants to be a welder, there needs to be equal amount of support for that. than if he said, I actually want to go in finance or I want to be a lawyer and there's not. And that, and that's the, you know, it's not, Hey, the guy that wants to be a lawyer, no, no, don't be a lawyer, go be a welder because you can make 150 grand a year with no school. It's like, that's not the point. Now, now what you're doing is you're just shifting everything over to that side. Next thing you know, we don't have any lawyers. Right. Uh, somebody I follow on social media said, you know, when you're sick, you call your doctor, right? Mm-hmm. When, or you call you know, your, your, your heart's doctor, you call your private care. When your house is sick, you call a plumber. Mm-hmm. Or you talk to an electrician, right? So we need those people, you know, to, to work to work on your, your houses. Allison, Kayla, anything else? I mean, to your point, you know, you want not only like, do you call a plumber if your house is sick, but like you want to call a good plumber, mm. right? So like, it doesn't matter with the, oh, no school, whatever. There does need to be an equal amount of sufficient training because don't you want a good plumber to come and fix or try to, or attempt to fix something at your house mm-hmm. as opposed to just any run of the mill guy, like 
you know, like, you know, I had a plumber come to my house a couple months ago and he forgot to add glue or tighten something. And I had water leaking for three months and I had no idea until I found out in a, you know, a not so fun way. And then I called a different plumber, a good one that came and fixed it. So it's like, I'll call you first next time. So, (laughs) you know, it's, like I'm, I'm just reiterating, I guess, your point and like agreeing with you that and, you and let need me add, sufficient training. And let me add to that because you know the home building, the trades, like it has become such a financial negotiation every step of the way. Every one of the trades is constantly pushed up against price. Like, hey, I need your, I need a better price. Can you build this house cheaper? Like my, like myself included. And what happens is that when we continually negotiate against ourselves and 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 drive to make the cost less and less for the for the end user, then we squeeze our trades. And there's a lot of issues with that. The number one thing that I'm most focused on is the fact that when I tell my my plumber that he needs to be cheaper and he does it, does he is is he paying himself and and putting money away for when you know maybe. He's, we have a, a crash or he doesn't have any work. And what am I like, what am I actually doing for him? I'm just paying for the time that he's putting into it and not the value he brings from years of experience of being a good plumber. So when the, when, when we do experience a crash, that guy's gone. And I was not, and I wasn't advocating for him. And I tell the story a lot on our podcast about my tile guy. Like he used to come and by one o'clock he'd be off the job site, headed to another job to, to, to grout a backsplash. And I was like, why? why? He's like, I don't charge enough. And I thought about that. I remember thinking about it that night. And I was like, he didn't get into this industry to rush around and do two jobs in one day to make sure that he could cover his expenses. He got in this industry because he was probably interested in tile work and wanted to do a, a damn good job. So fast forward five years. He's gotten rid of all the guys that squeeze him on price. He works for us. He was like, I like that. I, you know, I end up telling him to charge us more. I was like, hey, charge me more because you are like, I, it's my job to sell it to the client. And it's like, I value what you're doing. I want you to slow down because I know you have the ability to do a better, higher quality job if you slow down. And the reason you can't slow down is because you don't charge enough. So tell me what you need to charge to appropriately cover the expense of what you're doing and let's make sure that we work together on that and this this ties right back to the fact that people are building homes that they can't afford or there's this whole like middle class bracket where people are building homes at the top of their financial capacity and what happens is then they 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 say hey say it's two million dollars then they're like how much can i get for two million dollars how much can i squeeze and it's not it's not moving the house down in size or anything else. It's how much can I squeeze out of everyone? There's 180 people that touch that job site. If I get 1% out of all of them, you know, I, I'm moving the needle. And, and, and that's just not the right way to go about it. The reality is, is that we've got so accustomed to that, that we're all building and buying things that we can barely afford. And, and when we're barely, barely affording them, we're actually not even getting a decent product. We're getting a product that's so-so, but it's big or it's flashy or it's got this and that. It's like, reconsider how we look at this. What if, maybe, you, maybe you can't afford to live in a four-bedroom house and you can only afford to build, uh, build a two-bedroom house right now. And that should be okay. But you're getting a really high quality for that. And there's so many avenues we can go. I could sit here for hours and talk but about this. Think, think of your tile guy when, when you know he went home and told his wife, you know, Nick Schiffer just told me to charge him more. And everyone I've been working for for the last 10 years, 20 years, has told me that to, to cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. So the next time you need something from this tile guy, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a last minute job or, uh, you know, a, a favor that you need from him, he's going to go and do that for you because yeah. you, you took such good care of him, you know, in that way. And then, like I said, instead of running around at one o'clock, he could take his time with your jobs. Maybe he's home at two o'clock with his family instead of running to the next job. So exactly. I'm, I'm sure the crazy respect you got from that. So, um, Kayla, do you have any questions for Nick? Good. All right. So now uh, comes to everybody's favorite part of the podcast. This is the lightning round. Take it away, Allison. All right. You ready, Nick? I'm ready. Okay. First question What's your caffeinated beverage of choice? Oh, Cold brew coffee, two shots of espresso. 
Oh, that's hardcore. That's a that's a hardcore that coffee is, drink. Yeah. 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 Cold brew with the shots. Right to the head. <laughs> Big fan of that. Right here. <laughs> Wait, I know. I just finished mine. Um, okay. What's your favorite way to get in some exercise? I work out every five, six days a week. So lift weights would be my favorite. Wait. If you were a wrestler, what would your entrance theme song be? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, my entrance theme song. It would be something ridiculous. Yeah, of like, course. Pa- like Miley Cyrus, like Party in the USA. Or something. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a perfect answer. Yeah. No one's ever said that's that. That's great. That's great. great. <laughs> um, does your current car have a name? And if so, what is it? No. Not a car naming guy. All right. What's your favorite sandwich and why? My favorite sandwich. Ooh, um, I did not. I I was not prepared for these questions. I thought See? they were. That's the point. I love it. I love it. My <laughs> favorite sandwich. Oh, you know what? I I it is the roast beef sandwich from American Provisions in South Boston on East Broadway Street because it's Ooh. got the perfect amount of roast beef on it and horseradish. Noted. Ooh. Noted. All right, write that down. Um, if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which ones would you keep? All but three apps from my smartphone, and like not counting like messages, email, yeah, like obviously, that's, like that. That comes that's got to say, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess I would keep, I would keep Instagram for sure, um, Gmail, and hmm, can I look at my phone? Of yeah. course. Yeah. Oh no, close book test. Yeah. No, you can't look. Uh, Slack. Oh, well, we're, we're slacking. Important one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I get rid of okay. everything else. What book or movie have you read or seen recently that you would recommend and why? Oh, I have so many book re- recommendations, but you asked for one. Um, so I just finished Endure by Cameron Haynes. Okay. Um, I would recommend that. It, it why? Puts you, uh, why? Why? Uh, well, if you don't know who Cameron Haynes is, he's like rated the number one bow hunter in the world. I'm not a hunter at all, by the way. Um, he, he'll run multiple marathons a week. Uh, he trains every day and holds like a normal nine to five job and a family life. So the reason I recommend that book is he talks about, uh, facing adversity and, and, and being a terrible kid and teenager and young adult to the point where he got to a point where in his life that he was like, no, I, I could be better and I can be a better person. Uh, and it's books like that, that when I, when I finish them, I'm like, yeah, I, I have a lot more in the tank than I give myself credit for. So. I like that. I might have to pick that one up. Yeah. All right. Thanks Mike. Um, okay. What's your favorite place of all the places you have traveled? Uh, Greece. If you could donate a million dollars to any charity, what cause would you choose? Um, I would, I would donate it to Collins Joy Project. Uh, so I run for them. I run the marathon for them the last three years. Um, the, the short story and it's deserving of the long story, but, uh, a little boy who's two years old, uh, got hit and killed, uh, in Southie. Uh, and we became very close with their friends. I mean, not their family. They have an older daughter. Um, I have three kids um, and it's just they, you know, in um, support of his life, you know, they have taken that money and continue to make Boston a better place for kids. So if I had a million dollars to donate, I, I would donate it to that charity. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's so that's obviously that's a devastating story, it's but that's really devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's why I, I, I'm not, I don't actually like running, but I, every year I get the email, Hey, does anyone want to run for the, the marathon this year for Collins Joy? And I'm the first one to reply. Yes. So and I love I, that. Then I run it. And I'm like, why do I do this? Indoor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Final question. Mm. Name one cool feature you would add to your dream house. Um, Oh, that's easy. I would have an undercar underground car garage. 
Yeah. Super like, cool. I would like pull up, there'd be an elevator, pull, you know, I don't have names for my cars, but I'm definitely a car guy. Well, that was uh, Nick Schiffer. We uh, lucky enough to talk to him today. Uh, if they want to f- uh, know more about your YouTube channel and your podcast, if you want to go ahead and plug that, that'd be great. Yeah. The podcast is uh, the Modern Craftsman podcast uh, that's on, available on all apps. Uh, you can find us on social media at NS Builders on pretty much all the platforms uh nsbuilders.com and if you want to reach out to me directly nick schiffer.com that's s-c-h-i-f-f-e-r awesome thanks again nick appreciate your time appreciate it thank you nick for a sweet interview um we would love to have you again sometime later on in the future allison we have trainings coming up what do we have we have so many trainings All of our trainings through June 2023 are available right now on gwgci.org forward slash events. So definitely go check out everything that we have going on. Um, But just to touch on a few. So I've talked about um, the ones coming up in February. So let's touch on March really quick. Uh, Starting off March, we have a crew leader class that's going to be March 4th and 11th at the ABC GCI Woburn office. Um, So definitely come and check that one out. It's going to be a really good one from eight to two each of the days. Um, We have another OSHA 10 hour coming up March 7th, 14th and 17th. So if you're not able to make it to the February 1st OSHA 10, definitely sign up for the March one. Um, And then we have a hot work safety certification for Massachusetts class March 8th. That's going to be at the ABC GCI Woburn office. If you are needing a hot work uh, safety certification, before that March date, or if you are not able to make that March date and you need one, we always have the hot work safety course available online at your own pace. Um, so if you have any questions about that, just head to our website or feel free to uh, DM the podcast or email any one of us. We can tell you a little bit about that. Um, but it's a really great option. It should really take you just about like two and a half, three hours to finish that up. You'll get the certification right away and it's immediately in effect. So um, definitely check that one out. And the rest of our virtual platform, all of our online at your own pace classes are available 24-7. You sign up and you can get started as soon as you get your link from us. So like I said, any questions, shoot us an email, DM the podcast, DM the GCI or ABC Instagrams. We're happy to answer any of the questions that you have. Um, Yeah, gwgci.org forward slash events. Check it out. We have a lot going on this year, and we're really excited to um, show you all the new offerings that we have available. Um, Next week, we have another set of ICA winners, so tune in to check out who's going to be on. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, ABC GCI Coffee Break. Be sure to like, follow, like all of our posts, share all of our posts if you have a friend that doesn't know about us. Be sure to follow us, like us, rate us the five stars on all the apps that you listen to your podcasts. We super appreciate it. And it really does make a difference um, when we are doing all of our stuff in the back end to prepare for all of these shows for you guys. And with that, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.